0: My name's Carson Cobb, I'm the student pastor here. Uh, that song was the song my bride walked down to the aisle on our wedding day, so if I'm a little choked up, <laughs> I am thankful for her. She, uh, our kids were here in the first service, she took them home. If you happen to be watching, babe, love you, thankful for you. Um, another thing that I'm thankful for is as the, the student pastor here is to see guys come and serve in our student ministry and then uh, get flung all over the place to serve uh, as student pastors elsewhere. And since we had so much fun ordaining uh, Ryan Wood and sending out Ryan and Ashley two weeks ago, I figured let's just keep ordaining people. Why not? We're on a roll. So uh, no, it just works out this week that we have the privilege to uh, publicly recognize the ordination of Daniel Bates, whom you guys heard from. Uh, Just uh, thanks for already doing your introduction, Daniel. That was actually really helpful for me. So... um, You're welcome, yeah, thank you. Uh, Daniel's been serving for about a year as the student pastor at First Baptist Church, Mount Pleasant, uh, near Charleston, South Carolina. Um, Ashley and I were actually members there before we moved up here to Wake Forest. So a lot of connections there and a lot of friends that we both have in common. You know, tough place to live, Mount Pleasant, Charleston. I know it's really, you know, it's, I know it's hard for you guys, but uh, bless you, bless you. Um, but he still wanted to be ordained through North Wake. And so some of our elders have kept up correspondence with Daniel. And uh, I've gone through the ordination process with him and are glad to affirm his gifting character and competence for vocational ministry and leadership in the church. So Daniel and Heather, if you guys want to come up, you're welcome to bring whoever with you that you want. It's just the living room here together, you know what I'm saying? I, it's the world I live in as well, so come, come on up. And then uh, before I give you a charge... From the scriptures, uh, Daniel's dad, who's a pastor in Hong Kong, sent us a little surprise video for you, buddy. So yeah, go ahead. You guys can play that for him back there.
1: Hey, Daniel, greetings from Hong Kong. You know how much I want to be there on this special day, and I regret I can't be there because of COVID-19, but you know how much I love the Bible and its wisdom, so I just want to share one passage with you on this special day. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 1 where Paul is talking to Timothy, and he says this, This command I entrust to you, my son, that you fight the good fight, holding on to the faith, and a good conscience. So Daniel, I would encourage you as you continue on your ministry as an ordained minister, that you would fight the good fight. Keep the basics of the faith alive because sometimes it's a real struggle. Hold on to your faith and help interpret it for those you minister to. And certainly have a good conscience in every area of your life because you're being a good husband and a good parent. You're being a good friend to people, and you're also being a great minister. Daniel, I'm so proud of you, and I love you and wish you the very best today. That's
0: awesome. All right, Let me give you this charge. From the scriptures, <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Good luck. Do just do the best you can. You know, that's all you can do. From the same book, Second uh, Timothy, chapter four, Paul writes: "I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, by His appearing in His kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort." with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. But as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. And then Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, And you who are younger, be subject to the elders... Clothe yourself with humility toward one another for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God so at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So resist him, firm in your faith Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So Daniel, we love you, we're proud. We love your whole family. we're proud of you guys, and affirm God's blessing and calling on your life. Um, Larry, if you're able to come forward, uh, we'll have you pray for Daniel and Heather. And then, yeah, any other elders that are here, Daniel. And then, um, sorry to put you guys on the spot, my friends Dossie and Benji James came from Charleston. So why don't you guys come just stand up here with them, if you don't mind. Doss, uh, Benji is one of the pastors there, one of the pastor elders at First Baptist Church, Mount Pleasant. So let's join together as we, as we pray for this precious family.
1: So.
2: Okay. Daniel and Heather, I'd like to pray the back end of Psalm 33 for you guys. Lord, we pray that they would be people that wait for you and that they would find in you their help and their shield. Lord, that you would make their hearts glad because they trust in your holy name. Lord, may your steadfast love be upon them even as they hope in you. So, Lord, we trust them to your care and ask you to safeguard them We trust them in your care and ask you to use them beautifully. May their home be a place of joy and love that's absolutely contagious. Watch over them, guide them, be their great king. We trust you, Jesus, to be all these things. In Christ, in your name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. You guys can have a seat. All right, if you have a Bible, we'll... Um, be a few places but we'll bounce out of Colossians chapter 3 so if you want to go there you can go to Colossians chapter 3 verses 15 through 16 it'll also be on the screen up here Colossians three fifteen says this and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly Teaching and admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, give thanks. You already heard this one read today. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So this is God's word. And it has quite a bit to say about the fact that Christians should be thankful people. But not just that we should, also how. How we can be thankful. So yes, that we should, but also how we can. And I chose these two passages for today's sermonette. Because I think they, they represent the many, many other passages that Daniel mentioned you know, found in the Bible about thankfulness. There's a lot. Uh, If you go this afternoon to Bible Gateway and type in thanks, your search engine might explode. Because just just hundreds of times through the scriptures, God's people are called to give thanks to the Lord, to be thankful, to live from a posture of thankfulness. This is a pervasive and central theme in the Bible. Uh, More pervasive, more central than I realized. Uh, But sadly, I don't think it's quite as pervasive and central in my own life. Uh, It doesn't doesn't quite match up. I'm sure we all have moments of gratitude, you know. Uh, I can think of times where I'm maybe playing on the floor with my kids or something, and it's just pure joy, it's pure bliss. And I have moments where I think, even if I never lived another second, or even if this was the only moment I ever existed, I would just be thankful for that moment. Maybe you've had times like that or you look out at the beauty of nature and feel this overwhelming sense of thankfulness. Um, But if you took a random sampling of my life, a random sampling of the moments in my days, (laughs) I'm not sure that would be true. Maybe five seconds later at that moment, you know, playing on the floor with my kids and all of a sudden I'm not as thankful as I was before something happens and everything blows up, you know. Um, I think of a, a a little while back, I was driving in my car somewhere, and I went to look in my rearview mirror. I think Ashley had driven my truck before, like right before me, and so the rearview mirror was you know, a little lower than it normally is, and I look in the rearview mirror to glance back, and I just catch uh, a glimpse of my, like my brow, like my, my forehead. I know it's kind of prominent. I could see it in the mirror for sure. And <laughs> what, what was weird, though, is I was surprised by what I saw. Because I'm just driving. I'm not, you know, doing anything special. I'm just driving. And my, my brow is furrowed. I'm driving like this. My eyes are narrowed. Face wrinkled. <laughs> and it shocked me. I was like, do I always look like this, you know, when I drive? And so I started taking notice when I drive. Now I look at other people when they're driving. And unless they're like singing at the top of their lungs, distracted... Um, It's not just me. We'll say that, okay? It's you too. You do this too. And if you take notice, you can see when people are driving, just when they're alone by themselves, the weight that they bear, uh, the things that they're mulling over, brows furrowed, (laughs) hurried, busy, angsty. And so for me, I think today's sermonette is probably just as much confession as it is sermon. Sermon. Because in reflecting what the Bible has to say about giving thanks, i found that thanksgiving serves as kind of a thermometer for our spiritual health. How we give thanks, how much we give thanks, reveals our spiritual temperature. And gratitude is meant to be a defining trait. It's meant to be a symptom of Christian people. And thus, by contrast, grumbling is a symptom of a virus in our souls. Usually, grumbling is associated in the scriptures with those who don't know God. Uh, As one author put it, grumbling is a gauge of the human soul. Grumbling pours out of our soul whenever we feel like we're not getting what we deserve. Selfishness has caused tunnel vision. The soul has lost sight of the glory and wonder and splendor and hope that is the reborn, redeemed life, and thus it is far too easily displeased grumbling is evidence of soul vision impairment now, what would you say if you were honest and took a rambling random sampling of your days marks your speech or your internal dialogue your emotional post- posture most often would it be glad thankfulness or would it be sort of a low grade incessant grumbling complaining That is soul vision impairment. It's tunnel vision. And so we need Jesus. We need the scriptures to unfurrow our brows and to widen our gaze. So how do we do that? How do we get there? How do you get to thankfulness when life truly is hard and frustrating at times? I mean, how do you get to thankfulness when your bank account is depleted or your marriage is a wreck? Or when the holidays this year or the school year are a terrible letdown. Or when you hang up half your Christmas lights on your roof and then half of them don't light. Now, which pro tip, by the way, you should test them before you hang them up. (laughs) Nothing will test your gratitude like hanging bad Christmas lights. Um, Or more seriously, you know, if, if your health is declining, if your job is a grind or if you don't have a job at all, How do you get to thankfulness? Or perhaps for some of you, your life is much, much worse than any of those kinds of things. And you wish, you wish those were your biggest problems. And you know Christians are supposed to be thankful, but how do you get there? How do you live with thankfulness when you look around you and there's more to grieve than there is to celebrate? Well, I think the Apostle Paul gives us the key in the verses that I read at the beginning. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians again, uh, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In Colossians 3 again, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. How? Through Him. How do you give thanks in all circumstances? How can you always say, He is good to me? Do you see how this works? It's only through Christ Jesus, it's only in Christ Jesus, when we widen our gaze to recognize all that we have in him, can you look at the rest of your life and still be thankful in all circumstances. Because in him, we have far more than we can imagine, and we are loved far more than we can imagine. So it's no wonder that Paul begins all these letters where he's telling Christians all the time, be thankful, be thankful, give thanks in all things. At the beginning of these letters, he always reminds them of all that they have in Jesus. You can look at just the book of Ephesians where he says, we've been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we, we of all people, should be holy and made blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. And in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. In him, we have obtained an inheritance In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, terribly ungrateful, he made us alive together with Christ. And raised us up with him. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And these things are true if you know Christ on your best day and on your worst day. In Christ you have far more than you can see. And it can never be stripped away from you. And when your heart is heavy... When you look around in your world and you see more to grieve than to celebrate, then look to Christ and let him widen your gaze to see once again all that you have and all that he's done for you. Maybe Ephesians 1 and 2 would be a good place to spend some time uh, over Thanksgiving. So take heart, take heart for all that Christ has given us And that he too knows what it's like to give thanks with a heavy heart. For on the night that he was betrayed, he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this, divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And we can skip past some words in here when we read these passages, very familiar to us if you take communion often. But did you notice that as he tore the bread, as he poured out the cup, he gave thanks. And what was he thinking about? Is it just like the blessing before the meal? <laughs> no. He was thinking of the tearing of his own flesh, the spilling of his own blood for our sin. His was the most burdened of souls. There was no grief and no pain like his as he prepared to take the cup of God's wrath so that we could receive the cup of God's favor. You see, Jesus knows what it is to give thanks in the deepest and darkest night of the soul. And he can teach us to give thanks as well. If you're a Christian walking in fellowship with Christ, you're welcome to take the Lord's Supper here at North Wake today. Uh, If you've not personally trusted in Jesus and his work on the cross for you, or if you're not sure what that means uh, or if you're a Christian that is strayed from Christ, then we would ask that you would refrain from taking the supper today. There's no pressure to take as the ushers bring it through the aisles in just a moment. But if that is you, then we would love for you to take Christ today so that you could know what it means to always have a reason in all circumstances to be genuinely thankful. And to that end, during this time, you're always welcome to come up and speak with one of the pastors or speak with a friend nearby. Now, if you are taking the supper today, then after you receive uh, your your cup, if you would just hold it for a bit and reflect and pray as the band plays. And then I'll lead us in a time, in just a moment, of all together uh, taking the supper after everyone receives the elements. And if you need gluten-free, a gluten-free wafer, those are in the back and you can go get those uh, at any time as the elements are going out. So let's pray. And then we'll give thanks as we break bread and take the cup together. So Father, in Christ, we come to you to give you thanks. Would you help us by your spirit, even in this moment, to be filled with true gratitude when we see and think about all that you have done for us in Christ. Sometimes those ideas, they seem so far off from us in the face of What's right in front of us from day to day. But now we have the grace and mercy to take of this bread and drink of this cup to have a tangible, visible reminder of the greatest gift that you could have given us. So help us even this day to be a people that are marked by thankfulness and gratitude all of our days because we know you.
1: Amen.